Anyway, I hope there's no hard feelings. Hard feelings? What do you know about hard feelings? <laughs> you ever have a man die in your arms? You ever kill somebody? What is your problem? What's my problem? Punks like you, that's my problem. <laughs> and you better not screw up again, Seinfeld, because if you do, I'll be all over you like a pit bull on a poodle. That is one tough monkey. Welcome to Talking Seinfeld, the podcast where we discuss everything we know about the show about nothing. Today we are here to discuss episode 5 of season 3. It is The Library. I'm Dando. I am Guy. And as far as I'm concerned, Dando, it has all been leading up to this episode, this very moment. Oh, The Library. I think possibly my favourite Seinfeld of all time. Really? Of all time? Is it purely purely because of of Mr... uh <laughs> it could well be that. I don't want to blow my favourites because um, I get the feeling when we talk about favourites, it's all I'm going to be talking about. But a little preview of coming attractions, absolutely. So oh, it's funny because I, I, I'm glad that you really like this episode. I, I love it. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on it. I've always found this one like nowhere near the best of Seinfeld. But it's just so, like, um, who plays, um, Philip Baker Hall plays Mr. Bookman, right? Mm. Yeah. He's just so great in that role that this episode is so memorable. But for me, I've never really put it on the pedestal of, like, best Seinfeld episodes because, for me, I like it when every character has something really important to do. And I just don't think that Elaine, uh, this to me felt like Larry Charles was just trying to cram every character in because that's what Seinfeld does. I think this episode would have been fine just focusing on Jerry and, and the book. It didn't need all the other shit. That's a really good point, Dan. And actually, so we're going to have to, um, yeah, maybe award a few demerits or take a couple of points away. When I say best episode, I definitely mean my favourite. Your favourite. That's, yeah. that's fine. Yeah, everyone has their favourites. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's I- so much I enjoyed about this episode. <laughs> but you're, you're right. I mean, it's not exactly perfectly balanced in that regard. Yeah, the stuff with uh, with Elaine and her... Uh, and, uh, woes about her position at the publishing house it's a little undercooked it doesn't add a, a whole lot to the overall um the overall scheme of things no. yeah, she's a little reactive a little bit elaine is never unnecessary but yeah she's not all there no this it, episode it just sort it's of felt like as i was saying just felt like larry was just putting elaine in there for the sake of putting her in there and the ending is divisive i get that you know you gotta try to intertwine everything but i was just like Ah, uh, didn't you didn't have to have the book? It just felt like it was like, hey, see, see, it's all connected, everybody. I was like, yeah. I didn't really need that. But honestly, forget all that shit. It doesn't matter, Mister Bookman. You give me give me twenty two minutes, Mister Bookman, and I'm happy. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Oh, Dan, no, you've passed my buzz, man. You poked holes in the library. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> What's the reason for me to go on? No, 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 no. The, no, the, the, the thing is, the library, all the stuff about the library. Amazing. So let, let, let's, oh, so yeah. let's 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 get into it. We won't get into our favorite <laughs> just yet, but I just thought I really also enjoyed. You, you could have focused the the main plot, obviously being Jerry and Mister Bookman returning the book, but I really did like Kramer and Marion as well. Oh fuck, that was one of my trivia questions. Okay, for <laughs> Kramer and Marion's relationship, I just love the animal magnetism of uh, of Kramer. He's just so confident in himself. 
It's true. I'm not, not sure. Is this the first episode where we've seen? Oh no, no, no. Of course oh, that's not. With I mean, Tina. Are, yeah, yeah. Of course with Tina, but we didn't really see yeah, him making the I moves mean, on Tina though. We, we saw him making the moves here. I think yeah, with Tina the first time you you might have thought, oh, here are two sort of odd balls who found one another. Yeah, and are nicely in sync. In this episode, it's like Kareem has kind of got kind of got tickets on himself as a bit of a womanizer, a bit of a sexual magnet. And those tickets might actually be earned. He's sort of, I mean, he does have a weird kind of appeal once he, you know, gets an eye on someone and starts to, you know, ramp up his own little, be his own little sexual hype man. It's like, hmm, yeah, I can, I can see it. <laughs> I can understand it. What's the man going to so, do to get a library card around here? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Again, one of my favourite bits, just to look, the look on her face that he's like, I got to look at the library card around here. Just sort of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's weird. I can't tell. I don't know if this is me unable to read social cues or the actor being a little enigmatic. But I'm like, what kind of? What is she going for there? I can't tell if she's like, oh, this guy or oh, this guy. See, I took it as oh, I've heard that one before, kind of attitude. But it seems mm. that she was meant to be going for. Oh my god, this oh. guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's get into. That is a good one still. <laughs> yeah. One of my favourites. Your favourite moments because, let's get into favourite moments because you want to discuss Philip Baker Hall and he just was the highlight. He's one of the highlights of the entire series. Everyone remembers Mr. Bookman, but as you said, this was your favourite episode arguably of all time. So, you take it away because <laughs> he, he, he was my favourite as well. It's just everything about yeah. Mr. Bookman. I may be indulging in a bit of hyperbole when I say my favourite Seinfeld episode of all but I really do think of the library policeman when I think of favourite Seinfeld stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think of three little words, Philip Baker Hall. Yeah, uh, a veteran character actor by this stage. I mean, what are we talking here, about 92, I believe? Or? This originally aired in 91, October 91. 91, yeah. I think he'd been around for a little while at this stage. Yep. Well, a fair while at this stage, but never really sort of broken through. Just been one of... The one of those that guy actors, like oh yeah, that guy. I think I saw him in an an episode of Simon and Simon, or oh he was in that movie. I think his main claim to fame at that stage, he'd actually been the lead in a movie called Secret Honor, okay. directed by the great renowned American filmmaker Robert Altman, which he played Richard Nixon. It's kind of a one man show. It was one of those things where it's like oh wow, that's really impressive. Who's that guy? Nah, eh, not really that interested. <laughs> it really, I think it was really this thing that broke him through because reading an article about great Seinfeld guest stars, there was a little piece on Philip Baker Hall and he said, I never had to audition for anything after this. Really? Up it's, just the power of this, it's just the yeah. power of Seinfeld in general, isn't it? Very much so, yeah. But, I mean, before that he was a typical you know, jobbing actor, you know, going in to read for parts and that. After that, people were coming to him because they said, oh, they were just so taken with the performance as Bookman and – from there, it was that. But uh, between Seinfeld and his work with another great filmmaker, my man Paul Thomas Anderson, the maker of Boogie Nights, and uh, and a whole bunch of others, Licorice Pizza, which is out now. Yeah, he's uh, become yeah just a, a beloved sort of elder statesman character actor in the in Boogie Nights. You know, you've seen that one, Dan, haven't that. you? With Marky Mark and his mm-hmm. gigantic old, yes, <laughs> and his gigantic talent. I think I think he plays the. Oh, it's not the colonel, but he's like the the kingpin of porn yep. in Los Angeles, and he's sort of going to Burt Reynolds, who's this porn producer, and saying, you know, 
videotape that's the way of the future jack and you know i'm a simple man i like cinema i like lollipops in my mouth and butter up my ass I'm sorry. sir what <laughs> <laughs> and yeah from there he was um oh he's that guy but so many people would know him as uh, as bookman and yeah he just nailed this performance just uh, nailed this character uh, we've talked a bit about dragnet when we've talked about various uh, shows on the four finger discount network of shows in the past they riff on a bit on the si- on si- on the simpsons and i'm sure in other shows as well but uh, that's what he does here as bookman playing he's sort of doing a bit of a riff on uh, joe friday the uh, the dragnet cop doing a very no nonsense straightforward kind of talking this kind of thing and you can see in the scenes that he does with seinfeld particularly this the main one that he has with jerry in the apartment that seinfeld's just trying so hard not to, to crack up i know right he nearly breaks him several times he even nearly breaks yeah. himself at one point <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which is just such a joy to watch. So, yeah, I mean, I think if you make someone like Seinfeld break, A comedian, yeah. Yeah, like a, yeah, a legit pro at making people laugh, then, you know, you're doing something right. And as far as I'm concerned, he does everything, everything, everything right this episode. Uh, bits about his monologue that I love the most. I love that he had a different name for Jerry at the end of every sentence. It's like, fella, <laughs> junior. <laughs> joy boy, that's one of my favorite. <laughs> it's just so, so great it's amazing but uh, we were discussing Elaine before with um with her job so Mr. Lippman obviously played by Richard Fancy for the majority of the series but he was played by Harris Shaw so for Ooh. hardcore fans of the show this one sort of throws them off a bit it's kind of like when you watch uh, Jerry's dad in that first episode when when, he's, oh, yeah. when it's not played by the, the, the actor that we all know, know and love now so it just sort of takes you out of the moment a little bit it's like that, that's not Mr. Littman but yeah as I was saying I feel like Elaine's story would have been better because it sort of it focuses on her getting her lunch forgotten right? not being asked for lunch yeah. That should have been the basis for her story, I think. That, cause then, then it started focusing on Mr. Lippman wanting to talk to her and you know, not liking her. And I was like, where's all this coming from? How's that, how's that in relation to the lunch? Yeah, it came and went really quickly, the whole Elaine insecure about her job storyline. I mean, she's got one scene was like, you can tell me, you can tell me. And then maybe two scenes later, it's like, oh, well, okay, well, I'll, I'll show them the poems. It's like at the end, like you said, with the... Um, with the gym teacher actually having that copy of the Henry Miller book. Yeah. Ha- having Elaine show Marion's poems is like, oh, you're really in a in a hurry to tie all your knots together, aren't you? Make sure everything's connected. And it's not necessarily so. I mean, I, I, mean, I guessed when Kramer was reading Marion's poetry and sort of getting all worked up, I'm like, is it because they're bad? Is it, or is he having you know, like a really visceral emotional reaction to them. And it turns out they're probably pretty terrible. <laughs> Based on the on the few lines we did here, I'm like, yeah, this is probably not good. Could you spell that, please? No. Next question. So trivia for the library. Kick it off, Mr. Davis. Oh, shall I go first? Yes. Right. Then. At a dime a day, how much would uh, the library fines cost? Is it 100000 Correct. Yes, <laughs> because it was a nickel for 50, right? That's right. <laughs> My first question is, name of Jerry's ex-love that he thought he w- who was there when he handed in the book, and what colour dress was she wearing, according to Jerry? Uh, her name was Sherry Becker, mm-hmm. and according to Jerry, she was wearing an orange mm-hmm. dress. What was she wearing? Uh, she was actually wearing a purple dress. Correct. Your next question. What is Lieutenant Bookman's actual rank? Mm-hmm. Lieutenant? Oh, oh. <laughs> Fucking. That was a trick question. Trick question. 
can't believe I tricked myself. What a dope. <laughs> uh, my next question is. Oh man. <laughs> I was like, I was like, did he just say lieutenant? <laughs> my next question. You, sh- you should have tricked me. I said, Mister. Yeah. Because <laughs> I only say it once. I think. I think most of the time they refer to him as Mister Bookman. Do they? Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But she actually says Lieutenant Bookman at lieutenant one stage, Bookman. and I'm like, Ooh, that's it. I'll get down to that one, and got myself. <laughs> What an asshole. <laughs> Jerry compares gym class to what famous story? Oh, Lord of the Flies. Correct. Mm-hmm. I always feel so sorry for Piggy. Poor old Piggy. Yeah, the sucks old, to his asthma. The old rock to the head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't want to be Piggy on the uh, on the Flies Islands. Um, I'm trying to think... <laughs> I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this. Without giving the answer to the question? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm doing really well at that. So, I'll, I'll go. How many more trivia questions are we going to do Just each? one more each. One more each. Okay. I've, already, I've already fucked up my last one. My last one was Marion. So, you hit me with your last one, then we'll right. get into it. What gum did Sherry like chewing? Ah. Uh, um, wasn't the peppermint? No. no. No? What was it? It's, a, it's an actual brand name. Oh, I don't know. No. It's dentine. Dentine. Okay, never heard of dentine. Par- apparently, good for your good for your teeth and gums. Oh, Recommended by dentists, apparently. Okay. And your yes. sponsor, dentine. <laughs> now, my question I was going to ask. I've written down here. Smelled like the locker room in the in the game after Erasmus, but I'm trying to figure out what actually did smell like that. Remember, we made him sn- smell his socks. Oh yeah, maybe it was right. that. Who knows? We'll get we'll 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 figure it out later. <laughs> that is trivia <laughs> for the library. Well, what a, what a messy trivia that was. <laughs> that is trivia for the library. We'll be right back after this with our in-depth review. If you're a fan of everything we do here at Talking Seinfeld, you can support the show on Patreon, where not only will you get early ad-free access to the show, but you also get access to hours of bonus podcasts, access to our exclusive Facebook community, and so much more. So join the family today at patreon.com slash discount. Link is in the description of this podcast. If you feel like having yourself a time, then check out our new podcast, Going Down to South Park, where we go back and revisit every episode of the iconic series, dissecting the stories, reveling in chef sing-alongs, and chuckling at the occasional fart joke. Going Down to South Park is available now for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. If you're looking for a podcast that'll always be there for you, look no further than our new show, The One About Friends, hosted by myself and my incredible wife, Nicola. She's literally the biggest Friends fan I know, so who better to help me as we revisit every single episode of the show, discussing the characters, fashion trends, and how this iconic series still relates to our lives to this day. The One About Friends is available now on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. The original air date of the library was October 16th, 1991. The episode was directed by Josh White and written by Larry Charles. The Mm. episode kicks off with some stand-up, of course, with Joe discussing ventriloquist dummies and how they must have a... They also got an active sex life. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's always odd when you're watching a comedian take the mickey out of a fellow entertainer. Mm. It's it's, it's almost should be like, not taboo, but it's like, oh, at least they get... I don't know. Do you get the feeling that ventriloquists are somewhere down the pecking order entertainers? I don't. Oh, they shouldn't be, but I feel like they would might be perceived that way. Like, yeah. Especially by the, the likes of Seinfeld. I know, like, like it's, almost, it's almost like the, the poor man's comedian. I don't know. Yeah. And that's, not, and that's, that's nothing against ventriloquists. No, no. I've got a great deal of respect for them. <laughs> I, I can't do it. But 
I think comedians pride themselves on we say the things that not everyone will say, you know, and they sort of often put on a persona to do that. The way a stand-up comedian presents themselves on stage is not necessarily their actual personality. They put up a bit of a shield. And I think ventriloquists have to sort of go one step further with that. They they can't get up and speak for themselves. They have to have the dummy do it for them, which is why, you know, often why they're sort of talking up their sexual prayers and, hey, baby, want to make some sawdust? <laughs> I was going to say, it was, it was the smugness and the tone of the way he goes, there's always a sawdust joke in there somewhere. Just say, like, <laughs> they're not very That's clever. The, I, I imagine he would really respect like a very good ventriloquist. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think a lot of them probably use ventriloquism just as the gimmick and then their material is maybe a bit, meh. So the New York Public Library have- <laughs> By the way, sorry, I just want to close out. I just like the way he closes out that routine. I don't think this thing is real. <laughs> <laughs> what a burn. The New York Public Library have called Jerry. And I, actually, a bit of a fact here. So, mm-hmm. the 42nd Street branch of the New York Public Library, Manhattan, also known as the Stephen A. Schwartzman Library, is not actually a lending library. Rather, it's a research library. At the time oh. of this episode airing, the lending library was actually the 40th Street Library nearby called the Mid-Manhattan Branch. Okay, that's yeah. interesting. Also here, the New York Public Library actually decided to eliminate late fees in October 2021. So last year, no more late oh. fees. Just don't bring shit back. <laughs> it's, just, it's yours forever. <laughs> and it, it posted a, um, a satire piece in its blog, supposedly written by another character from this episode, Sherry Becker, wishing hmm. Mr. Bookman a happy retirement. So yes, as I said, the New York Library has called Jerry. on the phone to him and he's, they're talking about an overdue book from 1971. Which book was it, Mr. Davis? It's uh, Tropic of Cancer mm. by the American author Henry Miller. I remember having copies of, second and copies of Tropic of Cancer and Tropic of Capricorn mentioned okay. a little later in the episode, uh, purely because I heard they were super sexy. So <laughs> I think when I was about 18 or 19, I was in a secondhand bookshop. I was like, ooh. And they, look, they looked at nice copies as well. I'm like, ooh, I might take these home and have a look at them. And they're basically sort of, I think there's a bit of sex in them, but it's mainly like, I'm a young writer in the in this era and, wow, well, France and all this kind of stuff. Get to the sexy. It's like that Fifty Shades of Grey. Every fucking, like, Nicola, she was just, like, hooked on it. I'm like, is it really about... And I saw the movie and I was like, oh, yeah, it's about sex. Yeah, yeah it's pr- pretty sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have some friends. I have a couple. The, the female uh, half of this couple in particular was huge on Fifty Shades of Grey. It was like the twilight for middle-aged women, wasn't it? Well, it started as Twilight fan fiction. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, they, they uh, the the woman who wrote the Fifty Shades books, she was writing fan fiction about uh, Be- Bella and Edward from Twilight, and apparently published it online. Got really horny about it. A lot of people got really horny about. It. They're like, hmm, we can sell this, and boy, did they! <laughs> they sure did. They were awfully, awfully written books. Are <laughs> terrible. He, Jerry says he's going to go there in half an hour to try and sort all this out. Meanwhile, Kramer has entered the apartment and he goes, oh, oh my God, that, you know how much of a fine that, that's going to be? $50,000, $100,000 late fees. Have you got any outstanding late fees anywhere, particularly from like a rental video store or something? Like you just waited for the place to close down or you just move suburbs? So they- <laughs> I actually have in my bookshelf that I can see right here if I yeah. point at it. No, it's out, it's out of frame. <laughs> and by the way, no it's, one else is looking at this video. Yeah. It's just me. But I was doing the pointing, Dan. Tell them. Um, is a copy of a book that I borrowed from my school's library. When I say borrowed, um, <laughs> this was and this was back in the late eighties. I've still got it. <laughs> high school or primary school? High school. 
I've got my a book that I used to always keep renting out from the primary school library, the Muppet comic book. And then I rented it out in grade six and then just didn't go back to school. Oh. <laughs> is it still around anywhere? Do you I've know where it, it is? Elliot, Elliot reads it all the time. He loves it. Oh. <laughs> and it still well, says, that, that's a good cause then. Yeah, but it still says like the date of the last stamp. It's like 17th December to, uh, 2000 when I finished primary school. So I rented it out like the second last day or whatever before I finished primary school and it just never went back. <laughs> I'd love it if some Aussie version of <laughs> Mr. Bookman. <laughs> Lieutenant, <laughs> Lieutenant Book Bloke <laughs> rocks up. Book C-bomb. Uh, uh, Brendan, <laughs> uh, yes, you owe us. What do you reckon the fine would be? Do you, can you get fined for not taking a book back to school? Mm. Probably not. But anyway, do, do, you do probably you, have to go back to school, Billy Madison style. Yeah, that's true. I used to be a fiend for not taking shit back to the video store on time. What about you? Yeah, I was a bit bad like that. I used to. I, have- I, I would try to call and say, uh, "Look, I'm really sorry. I'm on my way." Or you know, I, I, if it was a high profile new release title, I was like, "Oh, I'd better get you know this copy of I don't know, Die Hard with a Vengeance." Yeah, back if on. you didn't get that stuff back on time, they were pissed if it was new release. Yeah. You always felt disappointed when you got a call from the video. So, you're bringing that back, are you? It's like, oh, sorry. <laughs> See, I, by the time, I, I said it so often that I actually had the video store number memorized in my head when I was like six or seven. I, so, I'd see it on the phone and be like, oh, don't answer the phone. Don't answer it. 13, 13, 32. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, so Kramer was saying that it's going to be a huge fine. And Jerry knows that he knows for a fact that he definitely took the book back because, you know, Sherry Becker was there. She's wearing this gorgeous orange dress. It's, it's instilled in my memory. I know for a fact I took it back. Uh, and there's he, no burn like memory burn, is there? Exactly. And Kramer says, you know, he never never got a library card, never bought into the whole concept of the of the library. It's all just a bunch of cheapskates reading the newspaper. <laughs> Trying but, to save a quarter. Exactly. <laughs> George, and it's kind of like the people now who... There's websites you can use to get around the paywalls with websites. Mm. Have you, I'm, I'm assuming like you would use that, right? On occasion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just use the... It's a trick of the internet, right? But we use the incognito window. Do What's you know that? that? No, I don't know that. Say you're on your main internet browser. Yeah, yeah. And it's like... Hey, you too could read this article if you pay us, you know, a dollar a day or something. Mm. I'm like, I'm not paying that. Go to hell. Save myself a quarter. <laughs> so you right click and it's like read an internet, in, read an incognito window. And, and it works. And, yeah, yes. Not with everything. Not with every <laughs> newspaper. <laughs> like, sign up for Netflix. So occasionally you'll be disappointed. You get to an incognito window. It's like, oh man, still got to get to the paywall. <laughs> I'll have to try that out. I'm going to try that as soon as we finish recording this. But uh, yes. yeah, so Kramer said he never got a library card, a bunch of cheapskates. Georgian arrives and they all head down. Well, no, no, they meet George at the library. Oh, George. Oh, no, George, sorry, George is downstairs. Yeah, George, George is at the front because he sees a homeless guy. Yes. So George has arrived, they go downstairs and they're going to go or head to the library. The Dewey Decimal System. What a scam that was. <laughs> Boy, this Dewey guy really cleaned up on that deal. Where's George? Shh. Yeah, look, trying to save a quarter. I just love the contempt he's got for the library. He's, he's ragging on people who want to save a quarter. There's a Dewey Decimal System. What a scam. Yeah, he's not a fan at all, is he? <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting a bigger response from Kramer from the, the shush guy. Yeah. I, I thought that was going to be like a, a side plot there with like Kramer getting revenge on the shush guy. <laughs> I, re- I did as well because, yeah, when you've got two shushes like that, it's like, surely this is going to lead somewhere. Yeah. But and, I guess, you know, they, never, just, they never really responded to him, did they? No, no, but well, I mean, he was in the right. I mean, when you go to the library, you do expect a certain level of tranquility. Mm, exactly. Shall do, we say. Do you know what the Dewey Decimal System is? 
I'm aware of it, but I couldn't explain it to okay. you. It's a it's li- just the it's the numbering system whereby how how uh, books are stored in the library. Yeah, so it's a library classification system that allows new books to be added to a library in their appropriate location based on their subject. Hmm. Sounds very confusing. I think it would take a little while to learn. I've got I've got the utmost respect for librarians. I mean, first of all, a lot of them are sexy. <laughs> <laughs> No, but, you know, I think you have to have a, a good sort of giving personality in terms of like, oh, you'd like to borrow this book? Absolutely, no worries. Oh, you're looking for that book? Go to that section over there and let me help you understand the Dewey's Decimal System. And then I've got to learn all that stuff as well. So, yes, props to librarians. It's one of those things, though, the library, for me, I love the idea of going to the library. I like the idea that I can go to the library if I want to, but I never go. And I know, I know. I, and I know if the library closed down, I'll be disappointed. But I've never been. Yes. Hmm. I don't know why that is. And it's one of those things about society, yes. It's like one of those like, like a family member that you just, you know, it's like an old uncle that you, you like having them around, but you never visit them. And then one day they shuffle up, oh, I should have visited him more often. <laughs> now I'll never pay him back that you know, <laughs> 10 bucks. This woman's completely ignoring me. Look at her. This is a lonely woman looking for companionship. <laughs> Spinster. Maybe a virgin. Maybe she got hurt a long time ago. She's a schoolgirl. There was a boy. It didn't work out. So now she needs a little tenderness. She needs a little understanding. Needs a little Kramer, huh? Then she'll need a little shot of penicillin. Kramer doesn't respond to that. And I read in a review that they were saying that's such a classic or cliche sitcom gag and scene there where they make a rebuttal and hang shit on somebody, but they don't respond to them just for the, to keep the flow of the show going. But in real yeah. life, that person would be like, motherfucker, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but Jerry gives- I her- imagine Kramer's going, mm, yeah, <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> Jerry gives her the letter, gives Marion the letter. And she says this is now a matter for the library investigations officer, Mr. Bookman. <laughs> did, it, did it really need Kramer to go, he's, he's really called Mr. Bookman? It's like, we, we get the joke. <laughs> we do, yeah. It's normally, like putting no, a hat on a hat. Yeah, normally yes. Cypher doesn't really need to explain it, but, you know, that's mm. fine. It didn't. It's like, like an ice cream man named Cone. I didn't mind that, though. It was funny. <laughs> so, basically, Jerry has asked, Jerry asked here to, to speak to Mr. Bookman. He, he, he wants to find out how he can settle this situation. George enters and he says, I think the homeless guy at the front, I think it's Mr. Heyman, the old gym teacher. And this, I've got to say, Mr. Heyman, not a nice guy at all. Terrible, terrible human being. From I beginning mean, to end of this episode, just terrible. Did you have any bad PE teachers? When Yeah, when, I, won't, I won't name how, names, but we had, a, no. we had a teacher who I believe may be imprisoned or charged with certain allegations now. Oh, but they were very. Well, if, he, um, if he's in, pri- if if they're in prison, it's gone beyond allegations. Yeah, I'm not sure how. I remember there was charges made, but they were very um, free flowing through the change rooms, and very okay. hands on in certain moments. And it's just like, hey, back off for a second. There was always that. Um, <laughs> I think it was always the cliche in in schools. It's like, oh, so and so married the PE teacher. I'm not going to name names, but he was just, it was a guy, obviously. And he would just always, he'd, he'd come to the change room, we're getting changed and whatnot. And he's the kind of guy who would open, some, some guys would get changed in the cubicle. But he would then 
hold the cubicle open and said, no one lock the cubicles. You don't lock the cubicles in case, in case something happens. We can't get in there to you. But then he'd walk in as everyone's getting changed, open the cubicle saying, you finished yet? No? All right. As you're getting changed. All right. That's us. <laughs> it's very fucking I'm, sus. I'm sorry. That's a ruling from Judge Davis. Clunk. That's us. <laughs> yeah. So I could I could really relate to George in this, uh, in this episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not all gym teachers like this, though. We got a listener of the show, Mr... Pat Wright, I believe he might be a gym teacher. I'm not too sure. Anyway, gym teachers, mostly good blokes. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of them are doing the Lord's work, yeah. you know. They're, you know, getting you a bit of fresh air and building up that muscle mass. Good on you. But yeah, as George was saying, he thinks it's the homeless guy's Mr. Heyman. And, uh, Although he is completely covered in filth, to use yeah, George's exactly. Words. Yep, yep. And George is, they explain George is what got him fired. He's like, what, mm. you scooter? He sang like a canary. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm a big believer in snitches get stitches. I'm yeah. not a, I'm not a, that's my philosophy. But they're going a bit hard on George there. George did like, nothing wrong here. Nothing never, wrong. Never made you for a squealer. <laughs> Mr. Bookman is out on a case, so he's not available to be spoken to right now. He'll get in touch with Jerry. Kramer, however, stays back because he's got a, a bit of a conversation with one Marion. Well, indeed, he's got to find out how, how a guy uh, around here can get a library card. Mm. Oh. We then get Elaine at work, and Karen has gone to get lunch, but she didn't ask Elaine. Elaine's all paranoid about it. And then she thinks, for some reason, Mr. Lippman wants to get rid of her, because he gives her nothing when she asks a question. And you know, the, the water's... He says, the water's still too cold. And she's like, yeah, it is. I just, I just thought this whole Elaine story just didn't really do it for me. It, it struck... I mean... I think Elaine is as neurotic as anyone else. Yeah, yeah. In the main Seinfeld quartet, but this is this is George. On, this, is a epi- jo- this is a George esque kind of. It scene. is, and yeah. there's an episode later on where she goes, "Am I turning into George? Am I George?" You know, and that that was funny. But this is, yeah, showing their hand a bit too much in that regard. I mean, of course, it's funny when she said, "Oh, it's freezing. It hurts your teeth." <laughs> it's like it's funny, but it's still, <laughs> is this Elaine? Or yeah. Are we being faithful to Elaine Bennis? We're now at Monk's and Elaine is worried about her job. George just doesn't understand lunch. I feel like George would be a man who should understand lunch. I, yeah, no, I think he's very distracted there. I mean, yeah. he just, it, I don't want to talk about lunch. I mean, on any other day, I think he and Elaine would be very simpatico on this issue and talking about, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, when someone doesn't ask you about lunch, I'm insulted. <laughs> but here he's like, I don't care about that. I want to talk about this. Yeah, yeah. We're more focused on uh, on Mr. Heyman. So he explains how Mr. Bookman would always mispronounce his name. Can't stand you. That's Mr. Heyman. <laughs> I said Mr. Heyman. Yeah. He said Mr. Bookman. Did I say Bookman? I thought it said Heyman. See, you see how easy it is when, it, when you're under the spell of Bookman. <laughs> no, no, exactly right. <laughs> um, yeah. So Heyman mis- mis- mispronounced his name. Can't stand you. <laughs> he made him smell his own socks and put his <gasps> jocks on his head. What is this? What's going on here? I know. I mean, I think I think Seinfeld and this episode of Seinfeld was the one that popularised the phrase atomic wedgie. Because, yeah, of course, I okay. think we'd all heard of wedgies before this, but I'd never heard of the atomic wedgie. I, we used to discuss atomic wedgies at school, but I feel like it must have come... Wouldn't it come from Seinfeld? I thought maybe a, maybe a Simpsons episode might have had an atomic wedgie. Okay. But actually, this I mean, good, I know, I know actually, the Simpsons no, this is talking about the dreaded, the dreaded Rear Admiral. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah, so this is 91. So this would have been pre, like... Golden, golden year of the Simpsons. So you're probably right. Yeah, I, I, we used to say atomic wedgie at school. I never attempted it. I never received it. No, I think that might be the. It sounds pretty difficult to do to pull off. I mean, it doesn't sound actually possible. No, 
I mean, given the sort of the, the nature of underpants and the strength of the people involved and the just the shape of a body, I don't know if you can do it. Do you want to explain to the listeners what an atomic wedgie is, Dando? It's when you grab the underpants, the boxer shorts or whatever that person is wearing, and rather than just give them the old wedgie, you lift it so high that the elastic of what they're wearing goes over the top of their head. Could you imagine the pain? <sighs> It would just be painful on on all counts, you know. You hurt your neck if you got the, you know, the jocks on top of your head. It would certainly hurt your your parts, yeah. pieces. I can't remember the last time I remember receiving a couple of wedges just as like a joke, like just like my mates just pulling away. It wasn't like a bully; it was just mates doing it. Yeah, I look back now and think, why did we do that to each other? Indeed, <laughs> what, what is wrong with us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, We're little monsters. Mister Heyman also has teeth like an exhumed corpse. Just not a just a terrible human being. A terrible inside and out, just a yeah. horrible personality and a horrible physique and bad dental hygiene. We had a bit here that kind of felt very unseinfeld-esque with the flashback. It's not very often that they do the flashbacks like this. No. And did you hear the line about the spastic schnitzel twins? I was like, woo, 1991, yeah. how you going? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I've got to admit, spaz was a oh, quite of course a that's term a, of endearment. Larry Charles in, in 1991 was not doing anything out of the ordinary by writing that. But you just watch it in 2022 no. and go, wow, wait. <laughs> yeah. Spaz or even indeed the now verboten R word. Yes. Which we won't, won't quite even quite say. A lot. No, no. Yeah. Hey, Stanya! Yes, Mr. Hammond? Your underwear was sticking out of your shorts during gym class. Oh, well, I, I guess that's because I wear boxer shorts. Boxer shorts, huh? <laughs> what brand? I'm not really sure. I- yeah, well, let's take a look! <laughs> You gave me a wedgie. And you got fired the next day. Why do they call it a wedgie? Because the underwear is pulled up from the back until it wedges in. <laughs> they also have an atomic wedgie. Now, the goal there is to actually get the waistband on top of the head. <laughs> Very rare. Boys are sick. But what do girls do? We just tease someone till they develop an eating disorder. Very true, based on, <laughs> based on my uh, my knowledge of girls and, and, and women. And when she said that, I was like, see, this this is the Elaine that I like. This is the Elaine that I yes. want. This is Elaine. <laughs> George wants to go and see him, and Bookman is waiting at the library for Jerry, so they're off on their way. Yep, he's waiting at Jerry's apartment, actually. I mean, this guy who will actually come to you. Oh, is it the... I thought he was waiting at the library. Is that his apartment, is he? Oh, okay. Yeah. That's right, yeah, because he goes for the coffee. We're going to get some more stand-up and talking about the library. Is a government-funded pathetic friend. <laughs> Not that friend that buys you things just so you'll be there. Yeah, it lend, lends you the, all this stuff. Like, hey, just be my friend. Mr. Bookman, uh, is that the apartment, as you were saying? You're correct. And I love the conversation here about the, the no coffee. Not even instant coffee. We- <laughs> <laughs> it's part of the shop. Forget about it. It's Chrissy. It's crystals. Instant crystals. Frozen crystals. A lot of people, a lot of Seinfeld fans have said that that scene, non-coffee drinkers, I said that scene has made them realise, probably a good thing to have some coffee laying around just in case I've got friends I want a coffee. Yeah. Like, who, doesn't <laughs> Absolutely. Have, who doesn't have tea bags and coffee laying around? You're not the only person that's in this that's house. The thing, I don't drink tea on the regular, but I've got a you know box of Lipton's tea bags here. Yeah, it's a very important. And, and you know, some of that long-life milk just in case. Well, I'm glad you're here so we can get this all straightened out. Would you like a cup of tea? You got any coffee? Coffee? Yeah, coffee. No, I don't drink coffee. Yeah, you don't drink coffee? How about instant coffee? No, I don't have... You don't have any instant coffee? Well, I don't normally... Who doesn't have instant coffee? I don't. You buy a jar of Folgers crystals, you put it in the cupboard, you forget about it. And later on, when you need it, it's there. It lasts forever. It's freeze-dried. Freeze-dried crystals. 
really? I'll have to remember that. You took this book out in 1971. Yes, and I returned it in 1971. Yeah, 71. That was my first year on the job. Bad year for libraries. Bad year for America. Hippies burning library cards. Abby Hoffman telling everybody to steal books. I don't judge a man by the length of his hair or the kind of music he listens to. Rock was never my bag. But you put on a pair of shoes when you walk into the New York Public Library, fella. Look, Mr. Buckman. Every time he really wants to make a point and just, you know, turns around and he's like flashing a little gun hand. Like, let me tell you something, mister. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it never loses its novelty. Every time he does it, it's like the first time he does it. Oh, so wonderful. It, it feels like one of those sort of vibes where it's like, just keep saying shit. And we'll just keep what what the, we'll just keep the best stuff, you know. It's yeah. just, uh, like I, I know I I feel like they they would have scripted this, but some of it had to have just been improv and just just running with mm. the moment because, like as I said here, Jerry nearly breaks numerous times. It's so funny, and mm. they, you can tell the audience, you can tell the difference between an audience laughing because they're like, "Hey, that's the joke," or they're just laughing yeah. because that's just fucking funny. Yeah, <laughs> this guy's just nailing it, nailing it, nailing it. I mean, it'd be like watching the Bulls back in the eighties. It's like yeah. Jordan, shush, Jordan, shush. Net, nothing but net. Yeah, you're not just cheering because the guy you're cheering. I've exhausted the limit of my basketball references. (laughs) 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 And it's like you're not just cheering because it was a a a, a, what do they call it? A a score? What do they they call it in basketball? Not a goal. We call it basket. A basket. Yeah, okay. Uh, A three pointer, a two pointer, whatever. But you just what do they call them in basketball? They call them goals, points, points. I guess. I guess you win by a certain amount of points. But yeah, man. I feel so silly right now. <laughs> all American- I wish I'd never started that basketball metaphor. All American listeners just go shaking their heads. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, I got a. Uh, I'd like to file for a bad trial thingy. <laughs> <laughs> and we just get like the, the monologue here that uh, I can't do any justice. I'm gonna have to play it because it's just it's amazing. And mm. literally, you could have given me 20 minutes of this. This this could have been the rest of the episode, and it would have been funny. I, I returned that book. I remember it very specifically. You're a comedian. You make people laugh. I try. You think this is all a big joke, don't you? <laughs> no, I don't. I saw you on TV once. I remembered your name from my list. I looked it up. Sure enough, it checked out. You think because you're a celebrity that somehow the law doesn't apply to you, that you're above the law? Certainly not. Well, let me tell you something funny, boy. <laughs> you know that little stamp? The one that says New York Public Library? Well, that may not mean anything to you, but that means a lot to me. One whole hell of a lot. Sure, go ahead, laugh if you want to. I've seen your type before, flashy, making the scene, flaunting convention. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. What's this guy making such a big stink about old library books? Well, let me give you a hint, Junior. Maybe we can live without libraries, people like you and me, maybe. Sure, we're too old to change the world. But what about that kid sitting down, opening a book right now in a branch of the local library and finding drawings of peepees and wee-wees and the cat in the hat and the five Chinese brothers. Doesn't he deserve better? Look, if you think this is about overdue fines and missing books, you better think again. This is about that kid's right to read a book without getting his mind warped. Or maybe that turns you on, Seinfeld. Maybe that's how you get your kicks. You and your good time buddies. Well, I got a flash for you, joy boy. Party time is over. You got seven days, Seinfeld. That is one week. So as he leaves, we see Marion entering Kramer's apartment. A nice little touch there. A little... 
That's a nice, l- a nice little button on the scene, isn't it? Because, yep. I mean, that scene's just gone so well. It would end perfectly with Bookman leaving, but just, yeah, that l- – oh, and oh, some more. There's more. <laughs> there's more. It's like it, it really is the cherry on the cake of the scene. Yeah. You know, and the cherry on that Good Time Buddies cake. I, good Time Buddies was one I just – it entered my vocabulary after this episode for some reason. <laughs> I just was like, all right – what are we? What are we doing tonight? Good time, buddies. <laughs> it was like we're not taking you with us anymore, guy. <laughs> we're not good time buddies anymore. But Marion says to Kramer here, "No, I, I can't leave. I've got to stay. Even I'm supposed to be at work right now." And then mm-hmm. Jerry refuses to pay. So he's I'm going to go find Sherry Becker. I'm going to prove to you that I did take that book back. And he's now looking through, and he finds her. And he's at, uh, at Monks with Sherry discussing her kids. And as you were saying earlier, time has not been very nice to her. Yeah, I, I felt a bit cruel. I'm saying that because I don't know if this makes no, me no, sound no, super no. sus, like a PE teacher, but you know, that little, that very brief flashback to Sherry Becker in the you know, in the glow of youth with the lovely orange dress on. It's like, oh yeah, that's kind of cute. Like like Raymond says, there's no burn like memory burn. But I think it's I okay sort of to remember say- the okay. yeah the girl you had a crush on when you were seventeen or eighteen. It's yeah, like, oh, you'll stay that way forever. And it's like you know, Sherry looks like a perfectly respectable you know thirty something lady. It's okay to laugh at because they play it up. Like Jerry's looking at it going, oh, you're not the Sherry that I remember. Yeah. But it's, it's kind of like when you remember an old TV show theme song, you're like, oh, I love that show. And you put it on and go, I should have stopped this at the intro. Because <laughs> it's really just... It's like, oh, man, that's the Seinfeld theme. Sorry. <laughs> but it's just like, you, you, you like a show for its theme song. It brings back the memories. Oh, I used to love watching that as a kid. And you, put, and you start watching the show and you go... Ah, it's not great, is it? Oh, yeah. I did a bit of that the other day, actually. I went through one of those semi-regular things where it's like, oh, you know, TV theme tunes used to be really great. And your listeners come from the 70s and 80s. You realise in the 80s they had two distinct kinds and 70% of them were, like, (laughs) saxophone-based. Okay. I thought, oh, let's watch an episode of, you know, that show that I used to enjoy. Oh, boy. (laughs) Um... Yeah, it was something like, he's a cop, and uh, but he's a you know a, a, a prisoner out on parole. But they've got to work together to solve crimes, and they're just uh, can really? they get along? Can they get along? <laughs> you know, he's an actor from the from the nineteen sixties. who was really popular for a while there. He's a guy we sort of you know picked up off the street because he looked good with his shirt off. <laughs> they've got no chemistry at all. This lasted six episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I like the intros that give you the backstory. I could work on a sitcom where I can put an episode on, hear the intro and go, all right, I know what this show's about. Let's do this. <laughs> but I feel like they don't put effort into theme songs anymore because everyone just fucking skips them anyway. They do indeed. What's the yeah, point of having a theme song? Yeah. But something like, you know, who's the boss, for instance? Like, hey, okay, Tony's looked at an ad. Oh, he used to be a boxer, but you know, he needs some work. Okay, he's going to be a living housekeeper for whatever her name was. The boss. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the, now the world don't move to the beat of just one drum. What a, that, what a banger of a tune that is. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Whenever I watch that show now, I just think of you going, may not be right for some. <laughs> Whenever I watch that now, I just think of you going, that bunny's not wearing no pants. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. Is that, is that what it was? <laughs> Pretty much. Different strokes, people, by the way. We'll talk about different strokes. And a very um, random episode on a, a family friendly sitcom. I, what you might say, a very special episode. Yeah, it was a very special episode. They, well, they did a lot of those. And it was, you knew you were in for a good time when they were either announcing next week's episode or they 
you know, to Pete be continued. Smith or John Deeks on the on Channel Seven or Channel Nine was announcing. And tonight on Different Strokes, a very special episode. <laughs> yeah, where it's like, uh oh, somebody's getting molested. <laughs> or you know, someone got busted drunk driving. <laughs> Someone's getting molested. <laughs> yeah. Tune in to Someone's Getting Molested coming soon from the Four Finger Discount Network. <laughs> Where do we get to that? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Where were we up to? Oh, let's, uh, Sherry. Sherry, uh, when were, they were meeting at the diner. Oh, how the fuck did that lead to that? Anyway, so yeah, so they're at the um, they're at the diner at Monks, and uh, this is where Jerry realizes, oh shit, no, I returned Tropic of Capricorn, not Cancer. Mm. I must have given it to George, and he leaves. It was George, this this old guy who I feel like that old guy wouldn't have just been like a random actor or anything. I feel like he's probably like someone's grandpa or something to just get like a cameo on the show. Yeah, it, it had that feel to it anyway. Marion is then reading Kramer's. Uh, oh no, Marion is reading Kramer her poems. Mm. And they at the library, and then they they yell out to hear the echo. It's kind of like what we discussed recently about being at a school when it's all shut. It's like very eerie. Yeah. It's like it's called quiet. It's like you you run this place. It's it's weird. But Bookman arrives. He tells them off for being there outside of uh, opening hours. You know, the library is kind of a cool place when it's closed. Oh yeah, you don't have to be quiet. Listen to the echo. Hello. 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 Mr. Bookman. I remember when the librarian was a much older woman. <laughs> Kindly, discreet, unattractive. We didn't know anything about her private life. We didn't want to know anything about her private life. She didn't have a private life. So you're thinking about that, think about this. The library closes at five o'clock, no exceptions. This is your final warning. Got that, QP down? Elena's worried because Lippman wants to see her in his office. Is where George arrives and Kramer's bawling his eyes out at Marion's poetry and it's just it's like they're trying to just connect everything here. It's like they're all hanging out and mm-hmm. doing their all various stories and Elena's yelling to Jerry. Oh no, she's yeah, so she's yelling out to Jerry, and uh, he's like, "I'm right here." You're right. Everyone's done that. <laughs> you're yelling out. And you're like, "I'm right behind you." Shut up. What are you doing? What are you yelling for? <laughs> I do it all the time because I'm wearing these um the headphones, but they're noise cancelling. So I'll be like, "Hey Nicola, can I have a drink, please?" She's like, "Fuck! What are you yelling at me for? Just just just." <laughs> Just, just ask. George then explains that it was Mr. Heyman um, who gave him the atomic wedgie, and Jerry tells George about the book, and he realizes here, oh wait, that's where it ha- that's where it all happened. It's it's the book's on the floor. It's, I left it in the fucking in the change rooms. For some reason, I always remember the the flashback with just the the cuts of ah, ah, ah. <laughs> the, the three screams that he makes, like, like, like your like your um your years of high school. Probably, yeah. I mean, I'll tell you what, not to. We're rabbiting on a bit long here, mm. but I woke up at like six o'clock this morning from this dream where I was in like a boarding school that was like my old school. Yeah. But it was a, also a bit sort of Hogwartsy, and I'm not a huge Harry Potter guy, but I got there and it's like, okay, you've been assigned this bed. And it was a bit different from, you know, like everyone's got a dorm, but I've got like a little raised bed, almost like, um, like a bunk bed without under- anything underneath it. And because of that, you know, all the, all the tough kids are like, Okay, well, looks like we've beaten the shit out of you all the time. It's like the really alpha guy came over and tried tried to knee me in the balls, first of all. And I'm, I sort of blocked that, and I'm like, what's going on here? And then all the little sort of nerdy kids were like, yeah, they're going to do this to you. 
come over here after dark. It'll be all right. <laughs> and I could feel myself in the dream getting really, really pissed off. <laughs> so, I'm like, so when I woke up at like six in the morning going, fuck this, I'm going back to sleep. I'm going to beat the shit out of that guy. <laughs> Grabbed a hammer out of the drawer, went back to sleep. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I had a dream last night. I'm going to say it on the record here. I've never had this dream before in my life. It's never happened anywhere. Geelong won the 2022 Premiership Cup. Ooh, and it's on the this, record now. It's on the record now. And I just had this vision of like Tom Hawkins was just holding the cup out, holding the cup up to the crowd. <laughs> it's going to happen, people. It's going to happen. You heard it here first. After this weekend, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. We did quite uh, well. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. But yeah, getting back to Seinfeld. Yes. So um, yeah, so they, they realized here that the book was left on the floor in, in the gymnasium. Well, do they realize that? They must realise that because we see the vision. Yeah. Yeah. Jerry then pays Bookman a check because he realises, oh, I'm not going to get this book back now. God, I hope they didn't have to give him like a whole 50K or 100K. Yeah, and they never explain how much he actually gives him. It wouldn't be 50K, it'd be something. No. But I love the- They, work, they cut a deal. I love the, hope there's no hard feelings. What do you know about hard feelings? <laughs> and you ever kill a- <laughs> You ever hold a dying man in your arms? You ever kill a man? <laughs> something like that. Burn like a pit bull on a poodle. Just just amazing monologue. I wish they brought this guy back more often. Just mm-hmm. so great. Elaine took Joe's suggestion and gave the boss Marion's poems, and he did not like them. Uh, and <laughs> Heyman is now gone. He's not there anymore. Um, but we find out he's just this crazy old man sleeping under a bridge, and he has the book there with him, which was a kind of flat. I thought, I thought the ending was just kind of flat. I, I felt like this episode needed to end with Bookman. End out on a high note. It would have been nice if, like, Oh, no, it wouldn't be nice if, like, Bookman was uh, hoarding books himself or something like that. If Bookman actually had the book. That would have been actually yeah. really funny. That, would, that was his blind spot or something. Like, like he, you saw it in, like, the back seat of his car or something or, or half underneath yeah, the seat of his car Yeah, after all this time he had it. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been good. But yeah. not, that, not that we're trying to second guess Seinfeld because, you know, if we could second guess Seinfeld, ka-ching. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and there was some more stand-up talking about gym classes. I actually really related to this. I liked it. Just It's just so funny. Like, you're at school, you know, you're doing English, you're doing math, you're doing science. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like Lord of the Flies and you're hanging onto a rope and you're in your gym shorts and they're throwing yeah. dodgeballs at you. You're trying to survive and you're back to science and you're back to yeah, biology. Yeah, you've got to sort of return to regular <laughs> life. I mean, it's like, you know, you've you're exerted sweaty. yourself, you've worked up a sweat. It's like, okay, well, now go have a shower and we'll, we'll pretend all that didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I used to love it, though. Because you get your your schedule at the start of the school semester or term or whatever. And if you've got PE at the end of the day, you're like, oh, beautiful. Like after (laughs) after lunchtime, it's just fucking all about it. But like, I remember there was one year where we had PE for the first two units before recess. And I was just like, fuck me. I don't want to do fucking sport first thing in the morning and have to go to school after that. Like, just fucking kind of get the shit stuff out of the way first. Yeah. Play golf afterwards, you know what I mean? But yeah, I, I really enjoy PE class. I, I loved PE. I loved getting out and doing stuff. But I can imagine you, I don't know, from what I know about you, it seems like you didn't like PE. I didn't hate it. You didn't hate it? I feel no, like you would have been a rower though. I tried rower. Before I became the strapping, you know, hunk of man that you uh, see before you or that, that you imagine you, yeah. that I am from my voice, I was in sort of a weird middle period, particularly around the time in secondary school when we were doing rowing. You know, I, I wasn't quite big enough to be a really good rower, but I was a little too big to be a cox, which is the one who sits in the front and says, stroke, stroke, go faster, 
Row better. That must go faster. Must go faster. <laughs> yes. Um, and also I had no <laughs> – this is before I had my terrific sense of direction. I did sort of nearly steer the boat into the into the bank <laughs> of the river. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like rowing. It's one of those sports that, that I look at and go, rowers look cool. And I've got a lot of good friends who are rowers and are still into this day. One of my best friends when I was growing up just had a, a boat named after him. Because Jesus. of his service to his son's school, wow! Wait. He was he, he was incredibly proud of it. He was all over Facebook, and all of us from school going, "JP, good on you, man!" This you knew that JP was just fucking proud of himself as a result. Of <laughs> JP, you went, ju- to, you went to uni with JP, so. right? What's that? You went to uni with JP, right? I did. I've known JP since I was maybe six or seven years old. Yeah, cool. Well, yeah. good for JP. Shout out to JP. Props to John Perry. My JP is Jet, Jetty Pumba. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, that has been our review of The Library. An episode that I feel like tried to incorporate much more than it needed to. Just focus on the the fucking bookman. That's all it needed to. But like, it's so memorable. It's just such a memorable episode purely for the way that um, that Philip Baker Hall portrayed uh, Mr. Bookman. I thought it was incredible. Absolutely. Now, I'm sorry, I, I, I gave my, I sang the praises a lot of Philip Baker Hall a little bit earlier, yeah. and I neglected to mention one of his best movies. Okay. Uh, it's actually Paul Thomas Anderson's first movie. Mm. It's called Hard Eight, and it stars Philip Baker Hall alongside the great John C. Riley. Uh, wow. And I think that's also where a lot of people went, oh, Philip Baker Hall, yeah, this guy's pretty good. So uh, it's, it's out on Blu-ray, if you still are into Blu-rays at all. Uh, but I'm sure you can find it somewhere. But it yeah, definitely worth checking out. Hard Eight, a very good low-key mid-90s crime story with also starring Samuel L. Jackson and Gwyneth Paltrow. Really, really good movie. Guy says check it out. All right, guys. So next episode of Talking Seinfeld, we're going to be reviewing one of the episodes that really made me fall in love with the show. So when I first started watching Seinfeld, I was a bit older. The show had already finished. Would have been in my te- I was in my teens. And I remember like, like growing up, none of my family really watched Seinfeld. It was like, oh, no, don't, don't get it. Don't understand it. And I was like, okay, well, I won't watch it either. And then I just, it was an episode called The Parking Garage. And it's very similar to the Chinese restaurant in the sense of it's all just them in a parking garage. And I remember as a teenager, I just loved the fact that Seinfeld was this show that broke new ground and just like, we don't have to have this, you know, family friendly in, in a studio setting. We're at a fucking parking garage, you know? It feels like a dare, doesn't it? Yeah. Like- I reckon what, you could pull off an episode where it's just you trying to find your car. What can we get? What can we get away with? And every time yeah. I'm in a fucking parking lot now, I think of that episode. Whenever I can't <laughs> find the car at first, I'm like, oh, it's, 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 this episode just stuck in my mind. It's one of my favorites. So the next episode, talking time about it, is the parking garage. Thank you so much to everyone who has rated and reviewed us on Apple Podcasts, or if you listen to us on Spotify, wherever you listen to us, please rate and review us and leave us, leave us a few kind words as well. But I would appreciate that. Also, don't forget to uh, follow us on Twitter and follow us on Instagram as well. And uh, if you want to get early access to this show and all the other shows we do here on the Four Finger Discount Network, you can go to patreon.com slash fourfingerdiscountwork for as little as $1 per month. You can also get access to the exclusive Facebook group where you get to banter with Guy and myself on a daily basis, Ooh. as well as monthly prize draws, a uh, bunch of other exclusive podcasts, and much, much more. But this has been Talking Seinfeld's review of the library. Next episode is The Parking Garage. For now, Mr. Davis, any final words for those amazing listeners? Yes, goodbye from uh, me and my good time buddy, Dando. <laughs>